strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, Chris Merrill in for Mike Broomhead, KTAR. Pleasure to be here with you. I have for years uh, been focusing on the drought in Arizona. Uh, it, it, when I first came to Arizona, it was uh, early 2000s. Left, lived in some other places, came back here in uh, end of 2014. And uh, one of the observations that I made as we continue to see the drought spread, uh, first in California, and then we knew that as California was drying up, they still had first dibs on the Colorado River. And you can... You can have problems until the sun comes up with the fact that California has dibs on the Colorado River. That's fine. That's, that's a different conversation, but it is the way it is. And so here's here's what we have to work with. We are sort of last in line when it comes to the Colorado River. Uh, there was supposed to be uh, an effort for all the different states reliant on that water to come together with a new plan. We failed. We did not do a very good job. And as a result of that, we're left with uh, mandates that we have to cut our water usage by, I think it's like 12% or something. And at the same time, while we're seeing less and less water, we have more and more development going on. In fact, I was reading something about Buckeye is supposed to expand uh, like four times its size here in the next, uh, I don't remember how long it was, decade or two. Um, where's this water coming from? That's, that's just one suburb. Where's the water coming from? Things continue to dry up. Lake Mead is at uh, near record lows, although there was a little bit of good news in 2022. Lake Mead went up slightly. We got four extra feet in Lake Mead. They think that's going to continue to drop, though. Lake Mead is supposed to be, they say, uh, nearing what they call Deadpool range. Deadpool is uh, just under 900 feet of uh, of depth. Uh, and when that happens, the water won't flow past the dam, so there's no electricity being generated. This is how bad things are, is that the dam is not, there's not enough, there's not enough water to even have the dam there. That's how bad it is. Uh, and it did go up a little bit, as you as you heard in the newscast. We're getting rain. That's great. Love it. And I do have I do have some optimistic news to go with this story. I do have some optimistic news. I'll share with you here in a moment. But the fact is, it's a problem. And the observation that I've made, and I figured this out years ago, is that we ignore um, we ignore the drought. Uh, I, I talked with the, the Central Arizona Project, and I talked with Salt River and and these other you know water management groups about the water levels, about the threat that the drought poses. But I really think there's this sort of apathy toward the water woes in Arizona. And I pointed out that so long as you can turn on your faucet and there's water coming out, we don't care. Wait, what drought? Ta-da! I got water. What drought? I turn on my sprinklers and it's 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 throwing water on the lawn. There's no drought, but there is, there is. Story that I was reading in the New York Times. It, it was not bad, uh, to be clear. Uh, headlined: Arizona is in a race to the bottom of its water wells with Saudi Arabia's help. 
Arizona's water is running worryingly low amid the worst drought in more than a millennium, has left communities across the state with barren wells. The state is depleting what remains of its precious groundwater. Much of it goes to private companies nearly free, including Saudi Arabia's largest dairy company. Thanks to fresh scrutiny this year from state politicians, water activists, and journalists, and they they do give a shout-out to the Arizona Republic in a report that they did back in June, the Saudi agricultural giant Alamari has emerged as an unlikely antagonist in the water crisis. The company, through its subsidiary, and you may have heard this name, uh, uh, Fondamonte, has been buying and leasing land across western Arizona since 2014. The... Arizona State Land Department has been leasing 3,500 acres of public land to Alamari for a suspiciously low price. Hmm. The company is allowed to draw unlimited amounts of water to grow an alfalfa crop that feeds dairy cows 8,000 miles away. What they pay for the water might be as low as one-sixth the market rate. And even if Fondamonte leaves the state, they say it's only a matter of time before Arizona sucks the aquifers dry. And why is that? Because we really are living in, quote-unquote, wild, wild west of water laws. Uh, 1980 state law regulating groundwater use in a handful of urban areas. Water overuse is common even in those places. The situation is worse in the roughly 80% of Arizona's territory that falls outside of these regulations. In most of rural Arizona, whoever has the money to drill a well can continue to pump until the very last drop. i got to tell you, I do some work in California, and they're seeing the same thing, where their wells are dry. And they have to, they got to try to Dig a new well. That's fifty grand. Farmers don't have an extra fifty grand to go draw uh, to go uh, uh, drill a new well. Meanwhile, it's hitting close to the valley too. Uh, Rio Verde is having a problem. In fact, there was um, there was a story. I believe, yeah, uh, Channel Fifteen had the story uh, about the water. Uh, drying up for uh, uh, Rio Verde Foothill. The countdown to the new year, leaving residents in the Rio Verde Foothills community scrambling to find a water source. Nobody will be able to survive out here without any kind of short-term solution. I mean, we can't have our property sit here for three years with no water. The yeah. unincorporated area falls outside the city of Scottsdale boundaries. Residents were told nearly a year ago their water would be cut off come January 1st due to the ongoing drought impacting the state. But we also were told that we will work with you if you find a source to replace our water. And we have. EPCOR, a private water company regulated by the state, is considering helping Rio Verde foothills in the future. But a deal still needs to get approved. And there would be a gap between when EPCOR can start serving the area. They told us initially one year to 18 months then they went to probably two years and now everybody's saying three so who knows. That's just to find a replacement for the water that they thought they had. So this is happening just outside Scottsdale where there just isn't water and the solutions are a good three years away. And that's only if they can get the water from the private water company. And nothing in the story, by the way, talks about cost. So we don't know exactly how much the, the, the cost of the new water coming in is going to be. Meanwhile, we're selling the water to, we're selling water for one-sixth the market rate to uh, places in, owned by Saudi Arabia. And we're building, and we're building, and we're building. Pinole County is exploding right now. As I mentioned, Buckeye is exploding we're seeing growth in every direction. And 
where's that water coming from? Because everybody that buys a house, you're buying a house, uh, you know, out on the 303 somewhere, you get up in the morning, you want to take a shower. You're buying a house in Fountain Hills, you want to take a shower. Uh, you're buying a house in Queen Creek, you want to take a shower at least once or twice a week. Who's, where's the water coming from? But again, we say, well, as long as the tap turns on, we don't really worry about it. I guess I wonder where the leadership is on this. Because you have everybody and their brother sounding the alarm saying, hold on, there's not enough water. What are we doing about the water? What's happening with the water? Where are we going with the water? And we look at things like California, and California will start putting restrictions on. They'll start saying, you got to, you know, if it's brown, flush it down. If it's yellow, let it mellow. Actual policy in California back when Governor Brown was in office. You're seeing uh, uh, Gavin Newsom, who's telling people, stop watering your lawns. They had to enact a law telling the HOA they couldn't find people for dead grass. Because HOAs were still saying, well, your grass is not green enough. We're going to fine you for it. As, as much as we want to scoff at the overregulation in California, in this case, they're trying to be proactive and they're facing a drought. We're looking at the same drought and we're going, eh, it should be all right. As I mentioned, you know, Lake Mead is seeing their water level. It went up four feet this year. That's after it's dropped hundreds of feet over the last few years and is projected to drop another 100 plus feet in the next year. There is one good news story, though, that I wanted to share with you, and that is that the Coolidge Dam... Uh, has water now. They got water there at the San Carlos Lake. Six months ago, I was standing right here. It was dry, it was dusty and brown. Now, muddy, wet, and most importantly, green. She's all smiles now. Oh, yes. (laughs) We're happy. (laughs) Wednesday's rain felt good. It feels great. It's just so nice. It's how all the rain has felt this season. A massively wet monsoon has changed her tune since we spoke to Nancy Kaywood of Kaywood Farms back in June. I don't know that people realize how serious it is. Well, I don't need to worry about how serious it is. When I turn on my faucet, there's water. There's no drought. The road was dusty. Now it's muddy. And the alfalfa's green. She's even planted oats. The canals that led up to her property are full again, thanks to Coolidge Dam. It was dried up in June. Now, look at it today, thanks to these videos from Representative David Cook. All right, you can't see the videos because it's radio. Just the same. There is a little bit of good news, but I, I don't want you to confuse this temporary reprieve where we see some water at one dam as... Uh, the end of the crisis. I'm telling you, the water is the biggest crisis facing Arizona. And it is the one that politicians want to talk about the least. Friends, if there's one thing you tell yourself in 2023, it's that you're going to pay closer attention to the water crisis. It is the biggest thing facing us right now. Don't let the politicians distract you. This is the biggest issue. Speaking of politicians, we'll go politics as usual in just a moment. Chris Merrill in for Mike Broomhead, KTAR. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. I call it politics as usual. It's Chris Merrill in for Mike Broomhead on KTAR because I got to tell you, most politics nowadays is just gossip. It is. There's not a whole lot of substance to it. It's all sizzle, no steak. Uh, For instance, uh, Ted Cruz is being called out for hypocrisy. Uh, What did Ted Cruz do now that is uh, catching the ire of so many people? He mocked President Joe Biden for vacationing in the U.S. Virgin Islands while much of the U.S. was plagued by a frigid winter storm. Of course, Ted Cruz is the guy that was 
taking off to Cancun uh, in February of 2021 when Texas was having massive power outages because of historic winter weather. And now Ted Cruz is saying, can you believe Joe Biden? He doesn't even care about the American people. He's taken off to uh, the Virgin Islands. Well, this is why I say it's total gossip. Yeah, it's it's absolutely hypocritical for Ted Cruz to do that. Right. Of course. How dare you condemn somebody else for going on vacation during a winter storm when you did the same thing? But here's where the gossip enters in. What the hell is Joe Biden doing going on a family vacation to the Virgin Islands when the whole country is gripped by a winter storm that's shutting everything down? While people were complaining about Ted Cruz's lack of leadership during crisis, where's Joe Biden's leadership during the crisis? (laughs) So... You've got the people on the left that are saying, oh, can you believe Ted Cruz would do such a thing? But then you've got people like me going, yeah, I couldn't believe Ted Cruz was doing that crap, but now Joe Biden's doing it. I'm not going to excuse Joe Biden for doing it. See, we've lost standards. The standard for people is, who's in my party? You can't be doing that nonsense. That's, That's a complete logical backflip. Like, Ted Cruz is a jerk for abandoning the people, but Joe Biden's great. No. No, they're both doofuses. It's just that Ted Cruz is piling on by making himself a hypocrite at the same time. Meanwhile, we may be tired of the antics in Arizona when it comes to people like Carrie Lake, who, uh, you know, keep claiming rigged elections and and, uh, the system's out to get her. But at least we don't have anybody that I know of that completely fabricated their whole resume. George Santos is the guy in New York, and it looks like he's going to be investigated now by some New York prosecutors. Already caught lying about his background, tonight Congressman-elect George Santos is facing new scrutiny over his seeming leap from rags to riches. Sources telling ABC News federal prosecutors are now looking into his financial disclosures. It's not a formal investigation, but in 2020, Santos was earning $55,000, and two years later, he claimed assets worth up to $11 million. I come from abject poverty. I made some mistakes. And I own up to them. And now I want to put this past me so I can deliver for the American people. That was from his interview with Tulsi Gabbard on Fox. Santos has admitted he made up much of his resume, lying about college and his career. Though last night on Fox, he seemed to backtrack. We can debate my resume and how I worked with firms such as Goldman. Is it debatable or is it just false? No, is it's it debatable very, no, or is it's very it just No, 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 it's not false at all. It's it's debatable. And Santos played up his Jewish roots, even though he's Catholic. House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy even included Santos among Jewish Republicans to win office. Do you realize we have the largest Republican Jewish caucus in more than 24 years? I mean, at this point with George Santos, it's just sad, right? The prosecutors, what are they looking into? They're looking into whether or not uh, he was committing fraud somewhere along the line. It is not illegal to lie to the American people or your constituents about your work history. That's not illegal. What would be illegal is fabricating financial disclosures. So that's why they're looking into it. But as far as him getting elected, he didn't break any laws. You, you can lie all you want. And if people elect you anyway, that's kind of on them. This is why... We have to have good journalists who bring these things to our attention long before somebody gets elected. Uh, what's happening in the run-up to what Nostradamus predicts will be World War Three next year? We might have just gotten a little bit closer. 
I'll tell you why next. Chris Maryland from Mike Broomhead on KTAR. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Chris Maryland from Mike Broomhead this morning. KTAR, you heard Taylor talking about the recounts. We are expecting those numbers um, sometime after 10 o'clock. I told uh, producer Brandon, listen, if uh, you know if we get breaking news, you just interrupt. Whatever whatever I'm rambling on about, just interrupt. we got to get to that. That's the important stuff today. Uh, especially, there's another little bit of, oh, uh, another little, uh, a little treat, a little enticement uh, to these recounts. Often recount. Uh, tallies are very close to the original tallies, but uh, Garrett Archer, who is the political analyst and the data guy there at Channel 15, uh, tweeted last night, I'm hearing there will be a significant discrepancy in favor of Abraham Hamda, uh, at Abraham Hamda, uh, in the recount results under seal until tomorrow morning. I'm told the discrepancy will bring the race much closer. Then uh, the guy who looks like he's sort of a a piece of dirty bubblegum stuck on the bottom of your shoe, Charlie Kirk. He tweeted, breaking, an internal source has shared that a rural AZ county has found a significant miscount netting Abraham Hamda, again, at Abraham Hamda, with hundreds of new votes. Sources suspect, and this is my favorite part, sources suspect at Katie Hobbs is not quickly releasing this revelation to provide as little time as possible for public reaction. (laughs) Archer then replied, Uh, Yes and no. I've heard from independent sources the same thing, but no one is allowed to publicly release anything since the results are sealed under court order until tomorrow. So sources suspect is just is just feeding red meat to the to the hungry, isn't it? Sources suspect Kitty Hobbs is not releasing the information. Ah, Nope. Actually, that information is under seal by the courts, has nothing to do with the Secretary of State, has nothing to do with uh, creating as little time as possible for public reaction. That's <laughs> oh, fantastic. Anyway, uh, when that comes in, we'll jump on it and we'll give you uh, uh, some analysis. I was On yesterday's program, I was bringing you Nostradamus' predictions for 2023. And they're crap. Uh, it's global warming is going to kill all the f- the food supply. Um, so famine. Uh, the Antichrist is expected to begin a uh, a battle for the souls of humanity, which means the Antichrist is among us and has been here for a while and will rise to prominence this year uh, in 2023. Either that or someone who we already know will be revealed as the Antichrist. So, I mean, that seems exciting. That's kind of a big reveal. Maybe we could do that on uh, reality television. It's kind of like the Masked Singer Eternity Edition. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Nostradamus also predicted that World War III would begin in the year 2023. With that, uh, with that, the the eyes have turned to Ukraine and Russia. We've been talking World War III for a while, and we're wondering: Is this going to happen? Are we going to see a World War III? Is it, has it begun? And some have said, yeah, this is it. All it takes is one errant missile, and suddenly uh, we've, got, we've got World War III on our hands. If Russia uh, drops a missile in Poland, and for a while we thought, remember that this happened back in November? Uh, uh, it was a Ukrainian missile that landed in Poland. What, what they believe happened was that 
Ukraine was firing an air defense missile that missed its target, which would have been a Russian missile. And when it landed, landed in Poland. So for about, I don't know, six or 12 hours, we were thinking, uh oh, uh, Russia bombed Poland. And Poland is a NATO country, which would drag all their NATO countries into defending. And then all of a sudden we thought, well, this is it. It's World War Three. Well, then we find out, nope, wasn't Russian. It was an errant Ukrainian missile. Good. Now we've got another Ukrainian missile reported now by the Moscow Times. So take it or leave it. But a Ukrainian missile reportedly landed on the territory of Ukraine's neighbor, Belarus. Belarus is a is an ally to Russia. Russia has been staging in Belarus. Uh, Belarus has not offered any soldiers to the fight, but they have been supportive of Russia. And uh, if if Ukraine has this missile that goes into Belarus and Belarus believes that it was intentional, even if Ukraine apologizes, suddenly Belarus gets involved. And now we've got two countries attacking Ukraine. And uh, you have to start wondering, is this going to prompt some additional aid from other uh, either European nations or uh, former Eastern Bloc nations? Hard to say. Is it World War Three? Was Nostradamus on to something? And if that happens... Things are gonna get. They're gonna get. Uh, they're gonna get ugly. All of a sudden, uh, we've got people that are used to going to work at Luke Air Force Base and coming home to their their family every night that are gonna be deployed. Uh, nobody wants that. We've been we've been through these endless wars long enough. We don't want to go through this anymore, right? Nobody wants to have that empty seat at their table. There were hopes for peace talks. We thought, okay, is it possible we get some people that are gonna. They're going to get together and say, enough, enough, enough. Sounds like uh, no. And why? Because both sides don't want to come to the table unless they have the other side willing to make concessions before they even show up. Uh, I I don't know. Is it uh, it Voyeur? Is that the name of it? V-E-U-E-R is the agency reporting this? I want to make sure I pronounce it correctly. One year mark for Russia's unprovoked invasion of Ukraine is fast approaching, which has many begging the question, when will it all be over? And when will Eastern Europe see peace? Well, if Moscow's vocal stance about the four annexed regions of Ukraine are any indication, not anytime soon. Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov had this to say about it recently. Quote, again, there can be no peace plan for Ukraine that does not take into account today's realities regarding Russian territory. With the entry of four Ukrainian regions into Russia, plans that do not take these realities into account cannot pretend to be peaceful. Those four regions include Donetsk, Luhansk, Kherson, and Zaporizhia, all of which voted to become part of Russia during what most call sham referendums in September. Okay, a couple of things. One, valuable news. Two, why does it sound like he's trying to sell me a used car? It looks like we're going to get this by the end of September. Or maybe we'll see a peace agreement by Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. This statement was in response to Ukraine's President Zelensky's 10-point peace plan, which includes not only a full withdrawal of all Russian troops from Ukraine's territories and a restoration of Ukraine's border with Russia, but also a special tribunal to prosecute any and all war crimes that have been committed during the invasion. Yeah, so basically both sides are saying, yeah, we'll do some peace talks. Um, But here's what we're going to be asking for. Ukraine says, we'll do peace talks. Uh, You have to go back to where you came from. You have to get all of your troops out of here. Uh, You have to restore the borders where they were before you attacked. And um, we're going to try your soldiers for war crimes. There it is. (laughs) 
Russia uh, said, uh, no, uh, that's not going to be the case. Russia does not fully control any of the regions you just heard about and has even lost territory there in recent months as Ukrainian forces fight to reclaim all the land seized by Moscow. This is from the New York Times. But yesterday, the Kremlin spokesperson said it was impossible to accept the peace plan that did not recognize those four Ukrainian regions as part of Russia. So Russia says, yeah, maybe we'll talk about a peace plan, but we're moving our border. Uh, we're, we're annexing a huge part of Ukraine. Uh, we win. You lose. Good day, sir. That's basically Russia's position in the whole deal. Incidentally, side note, uh, everyone believes that Vladimir Putin, I can't say everyone, of course there are people that support Vladimir Putin, I, I see it on cable news every night, but Vladimir Putin is a bit creepy. I don't know how much of his uh, legacy is deserved I do know that he has done some pretty shady things to, say, political opponents, uh, you know, poisoning people who were running against him, or suddenly you might have a journalist disappear that was writing unflattering things. But it's gotten to the point where it seems that anyone who may disappoint Vladimir Putin at any point uh, is a target. So here's the latest. Putin's top tank commander died over the weekend suddenly, less than 24 hours after Putin canceled a meeting to discuss weapon production for the war in Ukraine. Uh, The 69-year-old former Russian commander and tank chief passed away suddenly on Sunday at a military hospital. They were set to meet, uh, this dude and Putin were set to meet hours earlier at the former general's machine building plant before Putin canceled the meeting unexpectedly at the last minute. Uh, he was the tank commander was criticized by both Putin and the Kremlin before his death for failing to produce enough tanks for Russian troops to use in Ukraine. So now they say, oh, uh, they they feel like he didn't make enough tanks. Now he's dead. Th- that seems extreme. Don't you think you can just replace him? And then, and I love this because Radar Online has the story where they're like, yeah, well, there's just another one he wiped out. How about a former general? Buzakov was the guy's name. Uh, he was supposed to be producing weapons for Putin. He died suddenly on uh, Christmas Eve. Uh, another guy was the highest er- highest earning elected politician in 2019 as a result of his highly lucrative sausage tycoon. He was found dead under mysterious circumstances over the weekend after he fell out of a hotel room window while on vacation in India. So all these people are dying, and they're basically saying well, Putin's just killing them because they've disappointed him. I mean, that's pretty hardcore. It'd be really easy to just replace the person, maybe send them to a gulag, but nope, just killing them, I guess. I don't know that I believe that. I think maybe the legacy is is outgrowing the reality. The myth of Vladimir Putin is outgrowing the reality of Vladimir Putin. All right, new sports coming to Arizona. Are you game? Next, Chris Maryland from Mike Broomhead, KTAR. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, I'm Chris Merrill, in for Mike Broomhead on KTAR. We are expecting the recount results here sometime after 10 o'clock, and I know the newsroom is uh, watching very closely. When we get those results, we will break in, we'll give it to you, I'll let you know exactly what's going on. Uh, the tight race, of course, is the, the Attorney General's race, where we've got... 
about 500 votes separating them. Rumor has it that there is a significant discrepancy in favor of uh, Abe uh, Hamaday. And if that happens, uh, will it be enough to overcome that 500 uh, vote differential? Maybe. Uh, we, we could have a, a new winner in that AG's race. Wonder if that means there's going to be more lawsuits. Oh, you got to believe there's more lawsuits coming, don't you? Oh, booger. All the way around, just a booger. Uh, hey, big deal. Um, was listening, uh, Taylor had the, the news story about Arizona joining the ranks of states that have high school girls flag football. Uh, I love this. Uh, I think this is fantastic. Anytime there are new opportunities for young people, uh, I applaud that. Really. The more the more diversity and opportunities you have, the better it is, the more well-rounded a student can be, the more that they can focus on their interests. Uh, just, uh, it, it's fantastic. I love it. I do. couple of things come to mind, though. Uh, oh, first of all, the details on this. Uh, Arizona Interscholastic Association's executive board voted earlier this month to make it a sanctioned sport beginning fall of next year, 2023. Uh, The uh, AIA's executive director uh, telling KTAR News it gives our girls and females another opportunity to participate in another sport. They started the push for this about a decade ago. Teams will play up to 14 regular season games, two per week at times, uh, before state championship tournament. I love it. It's fantastic. I'm excited. They they say about 30 to 40 teams are supposed to participate in the inaugural season, which means we've got 30 or 40 high schools across the state that are saying, yeah, let's put this together. That's that's cool. That means that they're finding money in the budget in order to put this together and to get the travel and, and the field use and everything else that goes into it and the equipment and whatnot. Uh, great. Coaching, all that stuff. So I'm a big fan. Big fan. But, as I said, a couple of things come to mind. First, uh, are the girls that are going to play in the flag football league likely to choose that in lieu of a different sport? In other words, is adding flag football going to hurt, uh, say, the soccer program? I mean, that's I, I feel like that's a legitimate question. And if you're somebody who is a, a big advocate of the, the, the women's soccer in high school and suddenly you see people going to play football, uh, you're going, well, this is this is hurting. This is damaging. In the same way that as schools expand their soccer programs, uh, football boosters have said, well, the more the school emphasizes soccer, the more it hurts our football programs uh, on the men's side. So that's just, and I'm not saying that that's certainly not a deal breaker. It's not anything to to change. Uh, But it is a concern. I know some some families may have. Um, You know, my nieces played softball year round. Uh, If all of a sudden they're playing flag football, uh, does that hurt their their chances for softball scholarship or whatever. And these are the choices that students have to make. These young scholars will have to make choices as to what it is they want to focus on. But I don't want to take any opportunities away because maybe you have somebody that wants to play soccer or somebody that wants to play uh, softball that might really excel in this other sport. And I'd love to have that opportunity there. The next thing I question, though, is this. Why flag football? Is this a a gateway to full-fledged tackle football for women? Or is there the notion that women won't play tackle football? Or is is it sort of this old-school sexism that says women shouldn't play tackle football? Because I know plenty of girls 
that I've seen playing, you know, whether it's club sports or other sports, that would love to uh, put on the pads and uh, and take the field and, um, you know, butt heads. I think they would love it. So I don't. maybe this is the right solution. Maybe this is the perfect solution. Maybe this is exactly what we want to have from now moving forward. Maybe this is it. I just got a feeling it's going to evolve somehow. I hope it evolves in a manner that is the most appealing to the broadest swath of uh, young scholars that want to play. That's my, that's my hope. This is the first step, and I, I applaud the state of Arizona for doing that. I do. I know that we are waiting. We're still looking for it. We're, we, we're hoping we get the, the recount results here very shortly. We are prepared for a breaking news segment here. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, we'll give you our, our, our normal uh, top-of-the-hour news update. Um, so that is next, and, and again, we'll just kind of keep an eye on the we'll keep an eye on the news and, and wait for those uh, recount results to be revealed, which we're expecting any moment. It's Chris Merrill in for Mike Broomhead today on KTAR.